You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Mic check. No. <laughs> You're going to give me a freaking stroke, and I no offense to all the stroke victims out there, but seriously, the my blood pressure rises I actually when knew. your lack of originality comes into your little. I get one, two. I was one, thinking two, if one, I say two. mic check to start the show, uh, I was thinking you're going to waste your a bunch response of time of me be, complaining. Your response would be so you are 100 percent to blame. <laughs> oh my god! Exactly, exactly. Mic check. Yeah. I don't understand a person who wants to be so boring. It no. I don't understand. You have to see if you've got the proper modulation. Yeah, there's a lot of other words. Yeah, but Mike this is check. The, this is actually the before the after the show discussion and the continued into the into the beginning of the after the show discussion. If so you, you're you're not missing out on anything. <laughs> if you say the same thing into the mic and you look at the waveform, then it's better if you always say the News same thing because then you're not know. an audio specialist. You're making a podcast. Yeah, but if I say something Out of different, our office I, in our house. If I say something different, then I can't tell whether it's right. Yes, you can. Don't pretend. Do not pretend. Or there, there get, is. Do just don't. There is a reason professionals no. use the same numbers. Or, There's a reason, many reasons, why the professionals are professionals. That's because they <laughs> say mic check. I'm trying to sound professional. Oh, I see. Okay, now we're getting down to the brass tacks of it. I want to sound like I know what I'm doing. I am testing. That's fair. For the proper modulation. Yeah. Moving on. So we have. Do we have the proper modulation now? I don't know. I don't know. I think I do. I'll be like wombat. I don't know. All right. So um, this is after the show. This is episode four hundred and ninety-four. We are a podcast that reviews movies, and. Uh, we review the latest movies, generally, and this is one of the latest movies. The movie is... Well, this is the weekend of Saturday, August the 26th, also. 2017. It's not, technically, because <laughs> it's not. When it's... you're listening to this, it will be... Well, if you do download it on day one, it will be around the weekend of Saturday, August the 26th. <laughs> is that right? Um, so, this is the movie The Last Face... It's a 2017 movie. Release is on Blu-ray on September the 5th, 2017. So, it's not actually out for a couple of weeks. So, this is a very early look. Mm. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Lionsgate, who provided us a copy for review. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the movie, The Last Face. Hmm. It's a tough one, except that... If you just really boil it down, it is telling us the terrible, shining a light on the terrible war and refugee problem in Northern Africa. And there's a love story thrown in there, and it's, that's about it, really. I mean, is it, are you saying it's like Titanic? It is not. No, is real- don't belittle the story. <laughs> no, I'm not. The, the Titanic wasn't a terrible story, but it was a very isolated incident. This is a whole well, I'm not part belitt- of the continent that's having a wretched, wretched human bullshit part of their history. And this movie, with its flaws and its Hollywoodness, but with its honesty, trying to be honest, is shining a light on that. And that's that to me, that's what it's all about. The love story, I can... Take or leave. All right. This is a synopsis, not a review. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Then don't ask me ever again. Moving on. That's your solution to your problem. You give the synopsis every time. Testing. Moving on to the. Moving on to the movie review. Mm -hmm. So, um, we we won't talk about uh, what happened with this movie. What do you mean? You mean like no spoilers or about? No, about the controversy behind it. We won't talk about that. We'll talk about our opinions of this movie. Right? Okay. Unclouded by those things. I wasn't going to bring up other people's opinions, because guess what? I don't care. So, um, this movie, The Last Face, directed by Sean Penn. You'll all know him from uh, many movies, including Milk, which I really liked him in. Um, he directed uh, Into the Wild as well, which was an awesome movie. So, The Last Face... Um, this is how I feel about it. It it definitely has flaws, but 
I thought it was very well made. And there are some scenes that are almost too brutal to look at. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, it's still movie made. It's not real, but it's rough. Yeah, Yeah, but it feels real. Like I said to you, this movie feels real a lot of the time. Like I said to you, is that that a real... um, what you, I was going to say concentration camp. It's not a concentration camp. It's a um, refugee camp. Refugee camp. It's a different thing, or is it? But uh, they seem like real refugee camps, and like some some of the actors who were not the main actors just seem like regular people. You know, when you watch movies sometimes and you think they're not actors over there; they're just regular people. Sometimes there was, yeah. there was a bit of that going on. So I was thinking, are we really filming around real refugee camps here? That's how it felt. It I think the answer is no. The answer actually is no, um, but it doesn't feel that way when you're watching the movie. I felt terrified like half the movie. It's it's just like a terrifying... Like, being a doctor in one of these places, um, I find super brave, firstly. It's like any second you could just get shot in the face or a bomb could land on the hospital you're working in. Mm-hmm. Or a, a grenade could just fly through the... You know, it's it just seems terrifying. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how they keep sane doing it. Because it must be... I mean, you can't be relaxed doing that job, right? It's very specific. I feel like this movie showed the kind of people that would do that. How You know, how they would be. And then it's Sierra Leone. Um, but it takes place in a few places, actually, right? doesn't all take place in the same place. There's a bit at the beginning that's in a different mm-hmm. place than the, the, the main part. Um, there's a part in the movie where they have to move from one place to another in a couple of cars, and they take some people with them, and then some assholes just stop them and steal the cars. They're really assholes. That was terrifying, because there was a lady who was about to have a baby, and then they had to, you know deliver a baby just in the jungle which uh, it's just all very like horrific um, and there's a scene towards the end which I won't spoil because it actually shocked me I don't get shocked by things very often but I was just in this real I was behind like how real this felt and the you know this posse of kids roll up and it's just very weird and I don't think I've seen anything like it in that way have you? Not that it was supposed to be portraying real life. Only things that are have been like wacky, um, fictional, horrific human behavior. For example, the Warriors, or there are a few movies where you get these wacky bad guys, or like you know the Bond. Joker, or some you know Bond doesn't have any what. Well, there's a little bit. Bond wackiness, has some weird villains, but not so much like this. Yeah, but this was r- believable and very violent and very. I don't know, it kind of grabbed at me. Like, I felt, oh, God, this is really hideous. Like, I'm almost, you know, it's just not good. So I was terrified a lot of the time, to be honest. And like you said, there's a love story in here between the two main characters, Ren and Miguel Leon. And the love story, I could take it or leave it, wasn't that... I thought it was a bit hokey sometimes, especially the part where they were brushing the, the teeth with each other. Oh, yeah. It was a bit weird. so indulgent. It's I mean, like, I understood it, but I, it just seemed weird. No, what I understood was it felt like two actor, performer people who started to do that, and then the director was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Yes, yes, yes. It was basically like, um, they obviously doctors and they work, uh, and then, you know, personal hygiene might not be its highest all the time, because they are working in the jungle and the... Um, well, they're just about to have sex, so they want to brush their teeth. That yeah, but it. they it's mentioned... Prior in the film about, she says something, he says something, doesn't he, about, oh, I just blame it on you, you probably didn't have fresh breath and you didn't want to kiss me. Mm-hmm. But then later on they bring it back with this, yeah. we're just about to have sex, so we'll have this intricate foreplay, brushing our teeth, looking at each other moment. That seemed a bit weird and out of place to me, after all the, I was kind of frightened of all the violence outside and everything, and then there was this. So that was one part I wouldn't have partake it. I wouldn't have done that if I was this filmmaker. But You're not Sean Penn. There is <laughs> Sean Penn uses a lot of art, art I would say artistic shots in this movie. And some people probably would say, well that's just artsy fartsy, um 
you know, it's not like a movie that I normally watch. It doesn't seem like Jason Bourne or something like that. It's not very... I don't know if I'd boil it down to those people, because I am I agree with whatever you're about to say these people would say. Yeah, so, like, this movie is more kind of thought about, like, the way it looks. There's a look to it, and that look is a lot of, like, depth of field kind of shots. Shots where the edges are very blurry, so it gives it, like, a very sharp in the middle, but very kind of blurry around the edge. So you're looking through a piece of glass... There's lens flary type effects. There's odd lighting. It all looks good. To, uh, it doesn't look bad ever. I mean, it looks gorgeous, I think. Okay, I disagree with that. Because I think the blurriness gets really old. Just like the spinning around on the Defenders gets really old. My head's spinning around, by the way. See, I like um, just like lens this flare. effect a lot. I like depth of field type effects. <laughs> Uh, the Tree of Life is a movie that is full of it, and, and um, Assassination of uh, Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford is a movie that is literally all filmed through a piece of glass. I, I've liked those two movies. I like the way they look, and this movie does it, but doesn't always do it. Never fully commits to it. Sometimes it's normal. Sometimes it's very artsy. Sometimes it does like the characters are in the in the background and the camera is kind of sneaking along behind a wall, but only half popping up kind of, and it moves <laughs> sideways. And those moments were where I was like, I'm just thinking about the shot and not the thing that's happening. This is like, a, I'm thinking technically now. Yeah. That's I'm what like, I'm saying. Hmm. Somebody's sliding a camera along there. When and the technique like, or the tool becomes your focus. Yeah. Then it's not, you're either not lost enough in the story, which is, you know, it can be down to you. It also can be down to the story can be waning or it's too much. It's indulgent is the word we like to use. And this is not pretentious. like an action movie by all, by any means, even though there are some action type scenes and there are some very, you know, when, when all those trucks roll up at the beginning with the big machine guns in the back, it's actually on the cover of this movie. You know, there are some big action-y type scenes, but it isn't that kind of movie. It's a... um more thoughtful relationship drama taking place in the middle of a big war. And see, I disagree. Because I think it's about the war and about human tragedy. And then this little love story is like tagged in it, which makes the love story seem imposing. But I mean... On like true... Like if you're all upset because your little heart's breaking in the middle of a love story in the middle of a country where people are having their entrails pulled out and strung across the street. um, I don't mean people. I mean children. Uh, you need to get over yourself. And that's how you feel when you're seeing her be all emotional. It's like, are you kidding me? I understand you're human. But you're telling me this story. I need to decide what to focus on here. Am I focused on the horrificness with a touch of they're still good in people? Or are we t- going like, this is a romance and romance can happen even in the worst of circumstances? That's that how I see it. Yeah, but it's it doesn't work for me that way. I like, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the movie. Enjoy is harsh word. Is a weird word because no, I, you can't really enjoy it. But it's well made. It's thought provoking. It's it makes you kind of dig into a deeper thought about the news stories you have heard about real people doing real things that are horrific. Like in our lives, we hear these things. It's not fiction. That is part of what elevates it to me, and that he's he's starkly honest. I think, and maybe even not. Maybe to his own detriment, he just wants to really dish it out to you, like slam you in the face with it, you know. But when you mix it with these emotional people who are very up their own ass a little bit, even though they're doing good in the world, these are both doctors who are saving lives. Yeah, literally saving lives. So then the dichotomy is, well, they're doing good in the world. So if they get a little, you know, wrapped up in their own little drama and it's more about them, isn't that good? But it isn't really, because you're still you shouldn't focus on them. That's my problem with it. So I did like I did like the look of it generally overall. Um it has some really interesting music choices in it too, I found. Eddie Vedder was one of the um I didn't notice any music composers. Hardly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the red hot chili peppers play kind yeah, of a part that, in it. Yeah, that I definitely noticed. Even a even a classical version of Under the Bridge at one point, which was really cool, I thought. 
Because I'm like, oh, I recognise this tune, even though it's a classical piece. Hold on. But it's Hans Zimmer doing the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is really cool anyway. Um, and it's not overdone, the music in this movie. It's a lot of sweeping scores. There's a, But, you know, there's a rap song when that particular scene I was just talking about, the very harrowing scene that I'll never forget, I don't think. There's a rap song playing during that. But it's terrible. Music's used pretty well in this movie. Um emotionally uh but the one thing that misfires for me is like you say the love story part i like the relationship between them but it's also a little bit wishy-washy and not really doesn't really amount to much you know get what i'm saying yeah i mean it's like oh we're on we're on we're off again and it kind of flits around in time a little bit this movie so to give you some uh like it's a tool to make it more dramatic like we don't know why she's pissed off at him, but then later we figure out why she's pissed. You know, it it moves, jumps around a little bit. It's not, it doesn't jump around, so it's confusing. It's you a little know. confusing, I think, if you're because it never really addresses the time periods directly, except in the very beginning. It says 2003, and then yeah. it says 10 days ago, and then it says like 2014, and this is like 2004. So then you're like, well, what was 10 days ago? Or Am I in 2015? Am I in 2017? Am I in 2014? <laughs> like, what was 10 days ago compared to all these other bits and pieces? How long has it been? And you don't find it out until later when it's in the dialogue, which is fine. I don't mind telling me the story through the people. But it got a little bit like, uh, you know. I do think um, it's heavy-handed in sections. Like about what? Which section? Uh, one of the main he- most heavy-handed scenes, I thought. I like the scene, but there was this, the scene where they landed the helicopter... And then the guy was dan- the helicopter pilot guy was dancing with the uh, lady, the African lady. Mm-hmm. And then he comes up to Javier, Miguel, let's say. And then he like explains about that she'd been raped and she'd, the vagina had been split from <laughs> up to her anus. Yeah, this is terrible. It sounds terrible, but it also sounds like to me like Sean Penn tell- saying to the audience. These are horrific stories that have been heard here, and here is one of them just telegraphed to you, just out of nowhere. Like, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Yep. It didn't yeah. feel like it fit, like it didn't naturally. Like, you didn't take the time or have it in you. Instead of telling me this, like, really um, contrived love story, take some time off of that. And tell me a few more individual stories. You don't even get the good, the uh, the whole story of Sam and his family. You just get that Sam's a cute kid. His dad's really helpful and really kind and hardworking, good doctor. That's it. You don't get their story. You just have to tap into these are decent human beings and they don't deserve any of this crap. But we get to really indulge in the long stares of Shirley's their own looking out a window and looking out a tent and with dirt on her face long shots we're talking seconds of these yeah. sometimes almost a minute i was counting in my head at one point i'm like are we going to say anything i understand visual things are cool we have no we have nothing that's changing we're just settling into the emotion of the moment that's fine however it's also taking away from this their stories which i think would have really added to this to the to the whole of it myself um also, one of the criticisms I, I was looking at earlier was um, that anybody of color in this movie doesn't really have a name or a backstory at all. Like, I mean, Sam has a name, but you're right. There's no big story there. Like, I was yeah, saying, there's yeah. there's no filling in of those characters. Only white characters are filled in and backstoried. And you know what? That's what that that review I just read said, and I disagree I disagree with that. I actually think the white characters are also not filled in very well. They're kind of shellish. You don't know a ton about them. You don't know a ton True, about the main characters. True, but we're still focused on focusing on them almost all the time, right, which isn't a flaw because you are telling they are the main characters. So that's not a flaw necessarily, but their story should be a filter or like not filter what, what like a megaphone their little tiny love story which should be very insignificant should be the megaphone and the magnifying glass through which we see 
all of these other humans' lives and how valuable they are, important they are, regardless of anything else that you think about in the whole world of politics and religion, they're just human beings and they don't deserve to live this way. And yet we've flipped it around and we've got all of their story as a magnifying glass for these two little people. And the fact that they happen to be, well, he's Spanish, but he's white and she's South African. She's white. I don't think that's a, the flaw is built into that part of it, but it is hard to avoid. You know, when you're sitting there watching it, it's like, oh. and they, they point at that though. They don't, they don't shy away from it because the guy one says to her, because she's talking about how she understands their plight and she understands what they're going through and how hard it is. And she's right here in the middle of it. And he, being an African man who lives there, stops and says, I apologize, but you can leave anytime you want. And until you can't leave, you do not understand. And what he's saying is that precisely right. There's definitely a race issue there. Yeah. Or a privilege issue, we'll say. Um, yeah. So he doesn't shy away from it fully. But, but it doesn't yeah, explore you- it either. Yeah, when you look at the whole of the story, it gets a bit monotonous that it keeps coming back to them. And then we get them in the little cottage and how rich she is with her servants. Then we get her in the, her doing her work at the thing where she's in, you know, in this big fancy office building. And then we get her at a fundraiser in her fancy dress and an orchestra. All those things could be trimmed down so much and we still understand her life. But we're not getting a view of the people that you know, the torment that she's, you know, but then that tells you something. This character is more wrapped up mostly in herself and then in the troubles of the world. Yeah. Like, almost like this character feels that being wrapped up in the troubles of the world rounds her off, like makes Yes, her... it makes, and she said it, her dialogue was what, that I didn't exist until I met him. And yeah. basically he's drawn her into the, the that, whole of it. That voiceover narration that exists in this movie, I could also do without. Yeah, definitely. Because it sounds like um, Charlize is reading a novel over the top of That's the movie. That's exactly what I thought, and yeah. it is a novel, so. Yeah, but it, I mean, it just literally sounds like she's got some pages from the novel and starts reading them out. It doesn't sound like anything that would come from her as the character when she speaks normally. It all sounds very Correct. like her diary that and she wrote. And it's very lyrical, if that's the right word, or yeah, liter- literary. Yep. Which is cool. I have no problem with movies that are, you know, highly strung in the literary department. But this this one kind of mixes it up. So it doesn't even draw you that direction necessarily. It kind of it comes and goes. But as a, as a movie, though, in my, my opinion, it is not all bad at all. In fact, it made me feel a lot of things. Yep. Which is... The right, I feel, I felt like I felt the right things this movie was trying. But was, was it because of her and him, or was it? It wasn't because, because of, of her and him at all. Actually, it because was because the ideas of, started creeping into your head. It was because of, <laughs> oh my god, there are yes, the when they actually explained that these, what would you call them, rebels uprisers, whatever they are, like um, what do you call them? The um, small factions of rebels. Yeah, That's where they, they were saying them. they were giving kids hallucinogen drugs and then just sending them out willy-nilly with guns. Machine guns and machetes. Now, and- I thought, that sounds a bit movie-like, so I came and looked it up. And uh, it is legit, like, that that happens, that, you know, in Sierra Leone. It was one of the things. So they drug up kids and then send them out and say, go and burn that village down, and they go and do it, which is... Fucked up. So this movie made me, you know, I had to go and look all that up because I was like, is this movie stuff or is this real? But no, it's real. Stringing entrails across trees was a thing there in that war. It felt like something that somebody had seen like, oh my God, this is, yeah. It was like the Vietnam thing where there was heads on sticks, you know, GIs heads on sticks. It was a, don't come near here or you're, you know, you're going to get something. (laughs) So... Yeah, it was horrendous. There was some horrendous scenes. There was, uh, like that scene I just talked about where they mentioned the rape of the, the girls and the helicopter. They just, all of a sudden, they're all just having fun. And all of a sudden, there's, um, like rockets flying through the air right above your head. Like, it's just terrifying. Like, the war is terrifying in general. Cause I don't understand how anybody can live through a war. I think it must be, like, inhumane. 
Yeah, like, but it's very. It's the we're the only ones who do it. Imagine like where you're like. <laughs> that we're aware of. We're the only creatures on the planet who do this kind of war thing. Yes, animals fight with each other, kill each other, eat each other. We're the only ones who sort of like plot it out and get some enjoyment from some perspectives. Not everybody, but some. Some enjoyment out of the squashing of lives. Yeah. Therefore, so you can have power and control, or so you can win back the power and control whatever it is we're the only ones that i that i'm aware of who have can indulge in that instead of just living and surviving and like taking care of each other and during that actual scene there the like that little child who gets a face blown apart yeah like it's just it really sh- and it doesn't shy away from it. You see that for yeah. If you can't tell by now. It's really horrible. It's gory. Yeah, it's very gory. It's very real. Like the operations that they do, these doctors obviously operating on people are very explicit. And I don't like. But here's what pulls stuff. me out: we're in the middle of a horrific situation where these people are suffering immensely at the hands of other people. And then the next thing you know, we see a semi-blurred shot of Charlize Theron. With a little bit of blood smeared on her face and her hair perfectly messy, standing, looking noble or whatever, or, or struggling with some emotion that's outside of this situation. Which is like, what kind of an asshole starts thinking about <laughs> their own, like, how frustrated they are in the whole big picture of the, of the world when right in front of you there are people who have their arms and legs cut off. This is in your doctor. This is your focus. Don't turn the camera to your face and have her with that. Like, I understand. I don't understand what it would be like in real life. But as a movie and you're telling me the story, that just is like, I want to see more about this person who's trying to survive. Well, they tried to kind of show you that she was kind of up her own ass at that time when Jean Renault was like, are you helping with this or what? Like, yeah. What, why are you outside crying? <laughs> yeah, true. I'm trying to save somebody's <laughs> life here. Are you helping? So they kind of did True. say that she is like, that is not right. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be in here. They're in. They're basically in a room with blood all over the floor and people dying on beds. They're supposed to be fixing. And she... Gets wrapped up in her own little gets drama. Gets wrapped in a drama and goes and sits outside for a bit, which would probably cost some lives, you know? And it's so, got to have happened. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I've never... I don't know. So I'm, I'm not speaking for soldiers and people in the middle of those horrible situations. Not at all. However, it wouldn't be the... It wouldn't be a focus of that day that poor you felt like, oh, I just want to go home and have a bath. Like, because he, he, he kind of pokes her with that, doesn't he? It's fine if you decide you just want to leave and you're tired and you want to have a bath. Yeah. Like... As if to say to her, like, this is what it's coming... Because you can leave anytime you want, remember? So, you can just get on that car, drive over there, get on that plane, go home. So, yeah, they don't shy away from pointing out the flaws. in the- Yeah, from pointing out that people kind of can be self-centered sometimes. Sure. And not. But there again, they're not actually self-centered people. They are in a war-torn area saving people's lives. True. There's nothing self-centered about that. The but- end result of what they're doing right. is good. Yeah. You can't subtract from that, but you're telling me the story, to me, of the war and of the people, so, you know. So what I came away from the movie with, mostly, is, like, uh, utter disgust of the human race. (laughs) Not all the human race. Not all the human race, but, like I said to you, it's just disgusting, really, what what some people do in the name of a war. Because here's the thing, right? If you have a faction of humans who have decided, for whatever reason... You can you don't measure what the point is of their rising up or whatever they're doing, right? Don't take that. But their actions to get there are horrible. And say you have a thousand of them, right? There's 7.5 billion of us. And yet those people can truly destroy the fabric of everything around them. Right? So you throw a, a handful of the good people in there, like a tiny little handful of doing something that's way bigger than anything that's bad, except the, you can't save everybody against it or whatever. They just, it's like, what's the thing? Um, one rotten apple spoils the barrel. Yeah. And that's kind of how it feels. It's like hopeless. And then you really think about it. This is not the majority of humans. It's the tiniest of minorities of minorities in every country that have ever done anything horrible. There weren't more Nazis than there were Germans, 
right? There aren't more gang lords in Mexico than there are Mexicans. No. There aren't more criminals in America than there are non-criminals. Well, maybe if we take every single thing like speeding as a crime, but I'm just saying they don't outnumber the good. And yet, because the bad is so... It just rips everything down. It's ter- It's a terrible thing to think about. That's what I like about this movie. It makes me think of the most horrible, so, most horrible. And yet, the flip side is there's always going to be a good person. There's always going to be a good person. Either they get shot down in the first when they're trying to do good, or they get to try to do good. And it, I'm not a hopeful person. I'm not an optimistic person. I don't believe in any religions or any gods or any spirits of any kind. And yet, if you have one person who's plodding through and trying to make things better, blindly trying to make things better, regardless of the politics, they just want to, like he said, everything's sacred to me. This person lives, and then I can move on to the next person I can help live. And that's it. There's always going to be that person. That is hope to me. Yeah. And this movie never takes the God side. In fact, it it goes it has both i think it kind of it dabbles in both which is good it was a good balance i think yeah like like that that thing that they say to each other about yeah what is it he the girl said to him in the name of jesus and he said how about just in the name of you and me yeah when he saved a girl which is a good message um, it is but then you have the guy your guy from whatever what's he from jared harris yes who is obviously a pastor he's also a doctor but he's a, a man of god and brings that to the story and to the well-being of them emotionally, which I have no problem with because I cannot speak to that situation. So anything that lifts you up and moves you from today till tomorrow, go for it, right? So you have both. The benefit of it and the sort of futil- futility of it yeah. mixed together, I think. Yeah, exactly. So um, I did like it overall. It's I did just, too. <laughs> it's a weird thing, isn't it's it? It's strange. Like, it's... um. It's not for everybody, this type of movie, obviously. It's a slower kind of movie. It's more thought-provoking, I guess. Sometimes it might be a little bit too artsy-fartsy for some people. <laughs> you might, you know. But it's definitely got an interesting heart to it. And it makes you think about something. And like they say in the extras, that maybe it'll make people, you know, volunteer or maybe donate or something about... I don't know if I'd want my Hollywood movie to draw people into a place or a situation where they're sacrificing truly part of their life and probably eventually part of who they are to a greater cause like this. That seems like a flimsy reason, right? I wouldn't want that to be my flag. I would want them to then say, well, this has planted a seed in your mind. Maybe if you go do some more research... Yeah. <laughs> really think it through. But don't be like, oh, Sean Penn made this amazing movie about how terrible it is in Africa. I'm going to Africa to help. Like, just don't. That shouldn't be part of the thing. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, if, if you end up doing a lot of good, that's cool. But I don't know if that's a good reason. But um, what I was talking about earlier was uh, I wasn't going to go into that while we were talking about the movie. This movie got booed at Cannes Film Festival mm. because people... I don't know, I guess they... It seemed like a bandwagon thing to me, because, like, literally when I went and read reviews, they all said exactly the same thing. Like, Maybe sure and tell everyone people boo at Cannes every year. Yeah, there's movies. always booing at Cannes. Some of the famous films that have been booed at Cannes by the whole audience is uh, Pulp Fiction. What were the others? Uh, the Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. And... Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. So the boos are not necessarily mean... You know, the, some of those movies did particularly well. So this crowd at Cannes, who are all film critics, booed this movie, saying that, you know, it's a self-important, entitled white man making a movie about Africa, and it's all glamorous, and it's basically a love story set in Africa, and it's all whitewashed. Yeah. So that was the booing reason. But then when I went and had a look on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, it had 5%, which is really, really, really low. But then the actual audience uh, reviews was the opposite, completely the opposite. Like, oh, we really enjoyed this movie. It was showed, it showed us a side of Africa we didn't know, and we enjoyed the, the performances. So, I don't give it a boo. 
No. It's definitely, it's far from a boot. I might give it a few eye rolls now and then because yeah. the few little comments that never get followed up in this, the telling of the story of these people, that always annoys me when she cracks open this thing in the beginning about how she was always invisible. as the And she even said it as a little white, blonde girl. She did say that. She even that, said it really that was slow a bit, and pathetic. That was a bit pathetic, that part. And then that never was revisited again. There was never a point where she said, and I realized, regard, even if I am a woman, a white woman with blonde hair in this world that I have, I can either use that to someone's advantage or it doesn't matter because I'm just a human being. Like, even if you just made one line, like, to revisit that. So that made my eyes roll a little bit. And then just those moments of the curtain flowing and him licking her foot or whatever the hell he was doing, licking her ankle. I mean, I'm not a romantic person either. You might think I sound like I have a stick up my ass about everything, but I don't want you licking my ankle. I love you. I'm married to this person. I don't, if you're that was the uh, I'm like I'm not that kind. I don't get it. I'm not in a nine and a half weeks was a film. It wasn't like reality where people are licking shit off each other's bodies. I'm not into that. So I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? That was the most Terrence Malicky <laughs> shot of the entire movie. It was a good shot. Yeah, it would have made a nice photograph. Because she's nude, and she's it, the camera's nude. looking down on her. Yeah, and it looked really cool, beautiful. I mean, I like art. I do artwork, so I understand the beautifulness of it, Look how it looks. As a painting, it would look interesting. You'd go, oh, is he licking her foot? But when you know the context of these people, I don't know if licking the ankle seems... If you, if you, like, <laughs> if you like erotic toothbrushing <laughs> and feet licking, you might like this movie. <laughs> Don't say that because someone will have already cut those portions out and been I'm like, sure. "It's a meme. Here's a meme. Here's a meme." <laughs> but That's there are funny. there are there are at the beginning when it says R rated, it should say uh, scenes <laughs> of erotic toothbrushing and foot licking. <laughs> foot uh, ankle is just the ankle. Yeah, ankle. Don't, yeah, don't overestimate. Don't give people the wrong idea. But yeah, uh, so let's move on to the cast. Uh, Charlize Theron plays Ren. What's your opinion on her? I think you've really already said, but. Yeah, I do like her, so don't don't I, get the wrong idea. I do like Charlize Theron or Theron. Theron. Theron, yes, that's correct. Theron, she's on she's on um, Howard Stern, so of course she would. They tell everyone tells the truth on Howard Stern. That's her actual name, and we all call her the wrong name. But um, she's good in times of real engagement with people, like when she's really. When she decides that that woman with the chopped off arm and legs, you know, that decision, I felt like, oh, I feel this person now. I feel the character. This is her. This is her. This is her. And then the ones where she's just, her hair's blowing and she's being coy and all that. It's like really, it's lowering, you know, because she's, I don't know. That's not all she has to offer. So I like her. And other times I was neutral. And uh, Shelley's Theron is actually South African. So when you th- if you think she's doing a bogus accent, she's not actually. She's doing her own accent. And when she speaks actual African in this movie, she does speak African when she's at home. So you might... She does... Funny thing is, she actually has a South African accent and uh, she speaks African. Yet when she's in Hollywood, she, has a, she had a dialect coach and she speaks American. She also speaks French, I think. Um, so in this movie... She drops her South African accent on occasion, I noticed. Yep. It just disappears and then comes back. It's really, really, like, African. And then it's very American. And then it goes back to being very African, like, in in one scene to another. Which I found a bit odd, because... I I guess it isn't odd, because she's probably more used to speaking American now, right? And if you think about her character, she is a very wealthy head of this big, huge organization. She does go to these what look like million-dollar money makers for you know, raising money with full orchestras and people in tuxedos. And so she might, if you want to take the leap for her, she might have to do that because if you're in front of them and you're, you yeah. know. So, I don't know. I noticed it too, though. Javier Bardem plays Miguel. Um, I really like him. I think he's very natural on screen, you know. Yeah. In this particularly, I, I think he's very, I don't know, there's something like, he has a lot of empathy, as a like he always does as a character, and I always, you can relate to him in a way. What do you think of him? I do like him, but he has some of the similar, um, 
I'm doing an important thing here, and I'm gonna really like get into it. Yeah, I guess I like the part. The same with her. I like the parts where he's engaging in the moment of being that doctor on the field saving people. Even though it feels a bit like Mash at times, and in Mash you get a bit of the affectations of the doctors being a little bit arrogant while they're saving people. But that's some of the comedy in the show. It wasn't comedy in this movie. But then when he's just being like the dude in bed with her, I was like, oh, come on. Because it doesn't make sense. Right. You know? Mm. Where in the whole of your life, when you've dealt with all these things, that this woman has, like, captured you. I don't know. I just found that, I found that bit, like, weakened him as well. Jared Harris plays uh, Dr. John... What did he play? Dr. John Farber. Um... You'll know Jared Harris from Mad Men. Spoilers. <laughs> he did uh, hang hang his character up at the end. Uh, big spoiler. Um, you'll also know him from... What else will you know him from? Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. With Guy, Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. Um, I really like him. Always have. And he plays this character perfectly. Yeah, there's not much to it. There isn't. But that terrifying part... That I'm talking about when you don't really know what they want and what's going to happen, and he, they make them pull the pants down. Oh yeah! Oh, all like, that oh. was all that was played really real. I, I was like terrified. I was in it. I was like, oh shit! What what do they even want? Like, what do they want? Like, I don't. They did they want to just kill them all? Or not what? that I'm not complaining that they didn't kill them because I think that I mean you have you had to move the story forward and that would have been almost like you know not too much because of what we'd already seen. However. Why didn't they kill them? They've killed everybody else. That's what I'm saying. What do they want? What are they just there to be terrifying? Is that I know, it? but then why weren't they just terrifying to all the other people that they've murdered along their path? Mm. Why leave these people? I don't you know? know, I was yeah. a bit like it's a bit too it's I mean, contrived for the story kind of thing. You know, they didn't leave all the people. Oh, I know, but they didn't do that. <laughs> so um, Jean Renault also uh, you'll know him from Leon the Professional. Uh, as Dr. Love. That's a Kiss song, you know, Dr. Love. They is call it, me Dr. Love. They call me Dr. Love. I've got the cure you're thinking of. Which is probably his penis. So, <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, actually, Kiss, if you go and listen to any of their lyrics, every song is about their penis. Nice. Yeah. Well, nice. Like Love Gun. You know. Okay. Just... Go and listen. If you listen to Kiss songs, that's pretty much what it's all about. <laughs> so Jean Reno plays Doctor Love. Uh, I like Jean Reno. He really does not get much to do here. Nah. Um, he is good yeah. though. I do feel he's a good act. Go and watch The Professional. It's an amazing movie. Um, and then you have a shot at her name. Who? I'm not looking at it. Oh, Adele Exarchopoulos. <laughs> I'm sure that's right. Um, Exarchopoulos. She plays yeah. Ellen, and she's a another young doctor or nurse. Is that her cousin? Yeah. Nurse. Yeah. Uh, I really liked her, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Especially that, that scene. It was really sad. I'll just call it that scene. That scene was really sad. It was very emotional, yeah. And I think she did it really well. Um, it's directed by Sean Penn. You'll know Sean Penn. He directed Into the Wild. I know him personally. He also starred in Tree of Life, Milk, and Mystic River. Um, what are you talking about? Because Sean Penn's from Bad Boys in the 80s. And from, you know... Bad Boys? Uh, Fast Times Ridgemont High. Yeah. That is Sean Penn. Well, that's not for me. You don't know Bad Boys? Bad Boys with Will Smith. No. There was a Bad Boys before that. Oh, no, I with don't. With Sean Penn. I don't know that. Oh, yeah. Look it up. Gangster Squad he was also in? Nah, none of that counts. Mystic River, though, was a good one. <laughs> and Milk. He was a spe I think that might be the best performance he's ever done, Milk. Oh, Yeah. So, um, yeah, Sean Penn. Uh, we've really discussed him. <clears throat> I think he's a good director, because Into the Wild was also really good. Um, but there is um, definitely a, a something about this movie that stops it being a home run kind of movie. Mm. There's something. I, I don't know if it's Sean Penn. I don't know if it's just the project in general. I don't know. Bad Boys, <clears throat> 1983. He plays Nick O'Brien. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it was one of those movies that was on HBO. Oh, Clancy Brown's in it. There we go. Clancy Brown as a young 
Jerk in Jail. And it's got Ali Sheedy. 1982, bad boys. I've never heard of it. I know. He's really good. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Sean Penn. Um, I mean, it does a, a good job. It's a well-made movie. No doubt. You can feel that there's passion in this movie. Like, it's a movie that he wanted to make. So, extras on the Blu-ray, there, there's just one. It lasts about ten minutes. What did you think? It was alright. I mean, I would like to have seen more about the real story of the war in... And the, the tragedies going on in Sierra Leone. Sean didn't speak in this. It's one no, of those. No, he's one of those. He's missing, isn't he? It's like everybody else speaking about how amazing he is and then just some shots of him, which is the same as Terrence Malick, to be honest. Terrence Malick does not exist in extras, <laughs> but everybody in his movie will say how amazing he is. Yeah. But he will never be there. So Sean's actually doing that too. He's, he's working his way to that. Um, so yeah, there isn't much in the way of extras. But it is a, it's kind of a longish film, you know. It's like two hours and 20 minutes, I believe. So, uh, you know, you get your money's worth in the movie itself. So, uh, conclusion, Sid Tart, what do you think? Hmm. It's quality, and it's unsettling as a person. It's like when you're watching a, an actual... If you're watching a nature documentary and you see the lion take down the gazelle, and you're like, oh, God, you know, how can they do that to each other? But... Then you realize they do it because the lion has to survive and it's part of the circle of life. And, you know, that's the way it is. The lion's not going to go to the grocery store. When you're watching a movie, even if it's fiction, of humans doing terrible things to each other, you kind of get that, like, ugh, what's yeah. wrong with us? Like, we don't need to do this. True. Right? That but, is what I appreciate about it the most. And it is high quality. It's well made. I mean, it re it's really high quality. Good shot, you know, good sets, good, you're in it. I feel like it was, it created the world. I mean, I've never been there, so I don't know if that's it's good or bad, but. It's definitely the type of film that will divide audiences, though. There's going to be the people who think it's just, you know, artsy nonsense. And then there's the people who really like it. Yeah. So, you know, if you like these act, you might, you might. Find something you might just like Charlize. Or you might like Javier. You know? Just just to top this off on the bad boys thing. Uh, the guy that Sean Penn fights with, because they're teenagers and they get in a fight to go to jail, is the guy who played Lord Amancio Malvado in the new Dust Till Dawn TV show. Oh, that guy. You yeah. Mean the guy from... The guy from Ozark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I like that guy. Really so he good. was it. That was his early. Um, oh yeah, there's Ozark right at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> so that end of con end conversation on the original Bad Boys. Yes. So um, yeah, I I had to recommend a movie like this because it's not a um, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. You don't sit there and have a smile on your face no. the entire time. It is a movie that makes you think about the world. That is a good thing. I think it's a different type of movie than you know you pure entertainment kind of movie which we also enjoy yeah so um i i would say see this because i did have not enjoyment mostly terror and mostly disgust so if you like that kind of thing terror and disgust <laughs> you might like this movie. just something to make you think yeah so thanks to lionsgate for the blu-ray uh, if you want to enter a contest go to aschooler.com you can win something next week's movie review is kate mara in megan levy which is another true story. This isn't a true story, is it? The Last Face. No. It's I just mean, a true war. It's written by a woman who was in Sierra Leone and ended up adopting two children from there. And, you know, I'm sure saw a lot of horrible things. And then she wrote this fictional story. Right. With what I'm guessing are a lot of true life things mixed uh, in. And Megan Levy is a... You probably have heard that name, maybe. She was a... It was about... She was a... American soldier... With a dog. She was a dog one. Hmm. Those dogs that sniff for bombs and stuff. Right. She was a handler of a dog. But she's um, she's pretty famous. So, yeah, Kate Mara plays her in the uh, movie. So, uh, movie recommendations. I am going with... I was thinking about this movie and about a movie that felt really real to me. And it would be The Whistleblower. Uh, mm. Remember that movie? Yep. Yep. It was about, like, human trafficking and just... Gross. Another woman whose name we often mispronounce. Yeah, from and she was in, from the UN, and she was. It was like a. Oh. No, she wasn't from the UN. She was from a private company. True. They were hired to go police in between, like the um, 
Russia? Uh, when Russia was busted apart, or, you know. Yeah, and it's about, like, human trafficking, basically, and just gross what things that humans do. And then she's observing that these contractors from hired by the United States government and other governments, French and English and everybody, hires these private companies and that they are profiting and involved in it. And then she's the whistleblower. And the, my second movie is uh, Terrence Malick's Tree of Life because uh, Sean Penn is in it. And it is also a movie that will divide an audience. There's going to be the kind of people <laughs> who love it and soak it all up. And there's the kind of people who go, what the hell is this boring nonsense? Right? I agree. So, uh, which is kind of what this movie is like. It has that, you know, artistic edge, but... Trying to not be, but it is, and then it's I mean, trying tree, not to be, but it is. Yeah, and Tree of Life, try it does a bit of both. There's a bit of a narrative, and then there's like some abstracty stuff, and you know. Also, yeah. highly self indulgent about mm-hmm. the torments that we all go through and how we muddle through them all in our dramas and traumas throughout I, our lives. I think it's a really cool movie. To it honest. was cool. So I recommend. So, uh, what have you got? My recommendations are kind of varied. I'm going to go out there right now. It's not even October. It's barely even, it's the end of August, and yet I'm going to go for it. Hocus Pocus. Let's get that stuff going, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) If you want to watch a movie that's so opposite of this one you watch, (laughs) although they do kill children, and so it's a terrible, horrible thing, and yet you're watching this Disney, you know, Bette Midler and whatnot. I say go ahead and watch it. Watch it every month until October, which will be now and next month. And then the other one, I was going to um, do another one, but then I just decided I'm going to recommend Bad Boys from 1982. Bad Check Boys. Check it out. All right. Not, not the Bad Boys with Will Smith. Nope. That's the only Bad Boys I know. It's not, though, because I've just told you about the other I one. I mean, it's the only one I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. Bad Boys 2 as well. Yeah. They're actually coming back with the Bad Boys 3 very shortly. So, um, games and Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing more Agents of Mayhem, which is the Saints Row spin-off. Uh, probably about 15 hours into it, and uh, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still unlocking new characters. It's kind of fun. Also came out this week is uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which we actually saw at E3 this year. Do you remember? The, you actually watched E3 this year. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the uh, new Uncharted DLC where Chloe is uh, it's, Chloe's the star of it, and it showed you her sneaking mm. with a with her hood up, and then she goes up on the roof, and the... Yeah, well, that DLC is out this week. I have it, but I have not played it yet. So it is... What's what's interesting about it is, it started off as a DLC for Uncharted 4, and they, they thought they'd tell a story of um, Chloe, and then it, they were working on it, working on it, and it became more than a DLC, so now it's like actually an 8-hour, eight 8-10 eight to 10-hour game. DLCs are normally two hours long, so this kind of is the same length as Uncharted, but starring Chloe. So Chloe is my favorite character in Uncharted, so for her to have her own game is awesome. I've not actually tried it yet, so I will soon. So Sven Gulli, what is it? It's a horror host. Horror host. I don't know why I have such a hard time with that. Horror host. <laughs> he dresses up in a funny costume. He's on MeTV from 9 to 11, but starting next week, it'll be from 7 to 9. And he presents in two hours a movie that is either an old classical universal horror flick like Frankenstein Dracula or some Abbott and Costello meets the mummy or some other, you know, maniacal. We're not watching it tonight, by the way, because it's not actually Saturday. But um, that's what he is. He tells bad jokes, pretty bad jokes, introduces the movie. Talks in between little inter- interstitials. Is that what they're called? Yep. And, and for some reason, we really enjoy it. <laughs> it um, doesn't sound... I'm not really selling it here, but uh, yeah. And what's this week's movie? This week will be... Ooh, Mortars of the Rue Morgue. Which we have not seen. I checked it. Checked on it. We have. No, we've not seen it. I'm telling you. Because I, I tick all the ones that we've seen on it. Then IMDb. I've seen it without you. You didn't start watching it until a few weeks after I did. Right. So I'm guessing I did, but it was a good one. It was a good one. All right. So, yeah, that will be on this weekend. So what is for dinner? Tonight's going to be Jimmy John's. That's uh, Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Or you know what? I was just looking at Papa John's, and this is not an ad. We don't get any money from anybody. But I didn't realize they have gluten-free, low-cheese, 
vegetarian and vegan options. Oh, that sounds good. Or vegetarian, if anybody didn't Low know. cheese as in no cheese. Oh, uh, you could probably say, don't put any cheese on that side, but they actually have whole options, uh, med- Mediterranean veggie with low cheese. They also have a vegan, uh, not vegan, sorry, a gluten-free, multi-ancient grain crust, which sounds, and we never order pizza. We haven't ordered pizza in years because we, we magically turned vegetarian. <laughs> Somehow, we've been vegetarian for about 10 years, and... It just kind of fell off the radar. We don't go to fast food joints other than Jimmy John's and Subway. Occasionally, I go get me some French fries at um, Wendy's, which I well, love. also cheese kind of makes me yeah. Cheese kind of- really upsets your very delicate constitution. So pizza just unfortunately, I mean, it can be healthy. You can make a healthy pizza. I didn't realize Papa John's says that. So I'm maybe gonna, we should try it. I'm gonna contemplate. I think I will. All right. So. um what is your advice before we go and eat pizzas? My advice isn't, I don't know if it's advice. It's just a word to the wise or word to the, to you, <laughs> to whatever you are. That liars, and lying means, to me, lying is just presenting anything that's not actually the truth or failing to present to you the truth. They come with many masks. They'll disguise themselves in many ways. Sometimes very sweet and kind. Like this bullshit line that this one woman that I know on Facebook. I mean, I know her in her life, but chat with her on Facebook. And when she doesn't like my the way I express my opinions, which can be very bold and very strong sometimes, she'll send me a little message or comment on this. News. Well, sometimes I would rather be kind than be right. Now, that's a lie. That's not somebody who's like truly altruistic. It is somebody who's lying through their teeth because she will turn around in her brain or to someone next to her who agrees with her and talk about how wrong the other person is. And she's quite vehement about things sometimes. She tries to hide behind that like, I think of it like, if you take your hands like I'm doing now, put them under your chin, like the tips of your fingers under your chin and kind of tilt your head like a Disney princess and like, Wiggle your eyelashes at somebody and go, I'd rather be kind than right. (laughs) Flicker, 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 right? That's it. That's a lie. You can buy into that bullshit if you want, but it's not the truth. The truth is she's just a person like everybody else who thinks you're wrong and she will judge you for it. That's it. That's the truth. And so she's hiding behind this like, oh, but, you know, blah, whatever. That's a liar. And I lie all the time. Don't get me. Don't. I'm not on my high horse here. Because I will not say something when I feel like it needs to be said. And that's a lie to me. Because I'm not presenting you with how I'm really thinking. So I'm basically lying by subtraction or whatever. It doesn't happen very often. But it does happen. Or I will. In the situation where you truly don't want. Have no reason to like crush somebody's emotional you know, state and you know they're delicate and whatever. And so you don't really, I don't then go full on with the like, oh my God, you're so full of shit. Like this person, I wouldn't say that to her even. So I kind of, I kind of mirror her lies by not really arguing with her. But that's a lie, isn't it? Yeah. Because I'm not telling her you're so full of shit. So I just think people buy a lot of bullshit that people try to sell them nowadays. Or maybe people always have. I'm not going to say nowadays because that sounds stupid. But if it matches up with what you already think about life or how you judge certain people and it sounds right, then you're going to buy it. Even if it's a lie and it's behind a mask of like whatever, whoever's presenting it to you. da 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 it's a big lie, but you're going to agree with me because uh, da, da, whatever, you know? Yeah. And so just be aware that liars wear lots of masks and some of them look like saints and some of them aren't, <laughs> you know, they want something. They either want to indulge their own thing. They want to manipulate you into being part of their thing. They want to manipulate you into taking an action that benefits them in some way, or they want you to pretend at least on the surface to agree with them so they don't have to think about it or argue with you or defend their position. So one way or another, they're wearing a mask so that you are not encouraged to be totally honest. That's just, that's liar, 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 pants on fire. 
expertly said and is well it? worded. Is it now? Woo! All right, so um, I want to mention our websites, aschoolie.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, and you can subscribe or listen right there. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Uh, don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want you to have her email address. <laughs> It's not not too hard to figure out if yours is ascoli at ascoli.com. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Not a big mystery um, there. Stay classy, Mr. Sean Penn, because I feel that this movie came from the right place, and I don't think he was trying to be what people say he was trying to be. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, He seems to me like the message, what he wanted to tell, might have just got misread or something. But I still think he's classy, so thank you. And also, watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> Ooh, you're, it sounds like zombie. Watch Twin Peaks, watch <laughs> Twin Peaks. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, somebody's going to definitely do it for you. 